Hello, and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. Today we'll be speaking with Jerry B. from the We Agnostics Group in New York City. Jerry wrote a piece called The Four Elements of a Wretched Drunkenness, taken from an Italian opera, and we'll use this as the basis of our discussion of recovery. I think you'll enjoy this special program. Hey, Jerry, thank you so much for agreeing to uh, do this podcast. And also thank you for writing this beautiful piece that you contributed called Four Elements. You're welcome. I thought it was great when I saw it. Um, And it was really unique. It comes from an opera, which I do not know how to pronounce. Do you know how to pronounce that? Coronation of Pape is the best. (laughs) Put it in English. Okay. (laughs) Okay, then. And you just kind of adapted the, this to that. Yes. And I thought what I would do, Jerry, if you don't mind, I would just like to go ahead and read it. Sure. And then we can use this as a discussion. Okay. All right, here we go. Um, Four Elements by Jerry V. Four Elements of a Wretched Drunkenness. Envy of the Happiness of Others. Self-Loathing. Weariness of the Soul. Ailing Senses. As part of my recovery, I remind myself of where I was when I hit bottom. I try not to dwell on it. Happy thoughts are so much better. But lest I forget, I find it useful to think about these four elements and how they were all major states of mind and body in my drunkenness. Envy of the happiness of others. It was so easy to wish myself out of my body and soul into another person who was richer, younger, and had so many friends, who had a life of balance and pleasure and interest. Self-loathing. This is a constant for any and all drunks. It comes from the broken promise of not ever doing that again, from the plan to have only one drink, from hurtful comments to someone, from behavior that was not the real you, from add your own things that you hated about yourself. Weariness of the soul. The feeling of helplessness and the inability of seeing or having any hope. Down, down went the spirit, and all was doom and gloom when I thought of my prospects and where I was going. It was a case of a very weary and tired soul with no hope. Ailing senses. How many ailments and doctor visits? How many imagined illnesses? How many unnecessary procedures to try to find a cause, which you knew in your heart was from your drinking? My specific ailment was the constant dizziness and lack of balance. I'd fall over when I got out of bed in the morning. Four elements in my recovery. Acceptance of who I am and a true sadness and empathy for people who are still suffering. Proud of myself for being sober. A lightness of spirit and an ability to find joy in many things. A body that wakes up in the morning and says thank you for the sense of well-being. The absolute pleasure in answering none to the doctor's question of how much do you drink. And again, that was based on the four elements of a wretched old age taken from the opera that Jerry just pronounced for us earlier. (laughs) Jerry, that's beautiful. Yes, thank you. How'd you come up with that? Oh, when I heard that in the opera, and it's very short, it's it's only about 20 seconds or 30 seconds in the opera when the old nurse says that. The old nurse is asked what she would give to have a day of being young and in love. And she said, these are the four elements of a wretched old age. Oh. Okay, so that was, I mean, and it's very fast. And if you're not looking for it, you'll miss it. Uh-huh. They don't They don't emphasize it. But when I thought of that, I thought about, geez, that's what the hell was like drinking. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, so... Uh, it, and it, and, and it, and it constantly resonates with me when I do go out to speak, when I, um, 
and my guest speakers someplace, uh, I quite often will bring it up. Are those four elements of wretched drunkenness, are those exactly the ones that, of the four elements of old age? Yes, exactly. I'll be darned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, those, interesting. Those four elements of a wretched old age, not of old age. Yeah. Wretched, old age. wretched old age. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. In Italian, so I mean, you know, but it's... Uh, it's uh, so Monteverdi was a very early composer. I mean, uh, he was one of the first opera composers. So it's a lovely opera. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, I know nothing of opera. I've, I've seen only one opera in my life yeah. and I was probably like 12 years old. <laughs> they took us to Boston, I think, to see one anyway. Well, I don't believe in life after death. But if I do get reincarnated, I'm coming back as an opera singer. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Have you ever have you ever sang before? I uh, currently sing in a barbershop chorus. Well, nice. You know, I have an uncle that does the exact same thing in California. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about this. Um, let's let's talk about the elements of a wretched drunkenness, um, the envy of happiness of others. It was so easy to wish myself out of my body and soul into another person who was richer, younger, had so many friends, who was a life of balance and pleasure and interest. You want to talk about that, Jerry? Sure. Uh, one of the problems they say with social media is that you see everybody's wonderful life. Everything that they post is how, about how wonderful things are, and you don't see their hurt. But when you see somebody that has, um, especially somebody that has had a uh, been very lucky in their career or it has been in the right place at the right time, I remember somebody talking about when he got out of college, he was a computer uh, guy. And, oh, yeah, uh, Microsoft was interviewing. And he didn't know who the hell Microsoft was, but he went with a different <laughs> company. You know, so he says the guy standing next to him might have gone with Microsoft and made, you know, millions. So it's always that envy of, oh, geez, what? What could I have done, you know, if I hadn't been drinking and all the hours and the money spent in the drinking? Um, and I have really, really, really lost that envy because I know how lucky I am uh, today to be not drinking and to feel good about myself and to have so many positive interests. Me too. I have a life today that I thought was impossible in my drinking days and, in, and, and even in my early recovery. But I do have, I do recall having that feeling of envy. I, I don't know if I recognize it as envy at the time, but it was, it was just this, maybe almost a longing that I could be like other people, that I could have, you know, had a start in life, that I could have uh, gone, graduated college, got married, bought a house, uh, raised a family, did all those normal things. Yeah. But instead, I was getting thrown in jail and trying to figure out how to get out of problems and losing jobs yes. and that type of thing. Yes, absolutely. Now, the self-loathing, that's a huge one, too. And I agree with what you wrote about that. This is a constant for any and all drunks. It comes from the broken promise of not ever doing that again, from the plan to have only one drink, from hurtful comments to someone, from behavior that was not the real you, from add your own things that you hated about yourself. Wow. Yeah, now, when uh, I am in meetings, I hear that so often where people tried to do something like that. Okay, they're only going to drink on the weekend or they're only going to drink beer or they're only going to have one drink. I mean, and the, the, the just knowing, you know, just hating yourself for what you did uh, it was such a, a constant thing. I mean, you really, really. And I was a secret drink. Mm -hmm. And so the the self-loathing 
Uh, it wasn't what people were saying to me. They weren't mm-hmm. saying that I was bad. I was saying that I was bad about myself. In fact, right. when I said to my son, who actually had lived with us when he came, he had worked in the uh, Vietnam and, and Malaysia for three years. He lived with us for six months. I said, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to AA. He says, what the hell for? He says, it's my mother-in-law that needs AA. <laughs> he, so the people around me weren't loathing me for my drink, but I was certainly loathing myself for that. You did a good job of hiding it from him. Yes, yes, exactly. So yeah, I, I did the same thing. Yeah, self-loathing. I was a secret drinker and I hated that. Yep. I, um, the, the thing about my drinking that I guess is pretty common with all of us alcoholics is, man, I, I did, I did lie to myself thinking that there must be some way I can, I could drink normally. I just never could admit the obvious. So what I would do, Jerry, is I would, I would get off work at five o'clock and I would tell myself, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to relax and unwind with a drink. Right. And it was the stupidest thing in the world because I was never able to relax right. and unwind with one damn drink. And the next thing you know, I'm totally out of control. It's three o'clock in the morning and God knows what's happening to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've had some famous drunks. Uh, one of my favorite books is Living Sober. And it says, don't remember your last drink, remember your last drunk. Yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, my wife and I went to Athens and we finally got to the Acropolis. But in 56, I showed up at uh, 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 the Piraeus, which is the port for Athens, and I was going to go into the Acropolis. I didn't get past the first bar. (laughs) 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 I was like 30 feet into, 50 feet into into Greece, and that's as far as I got. Yeah. So it's that that self-loathing. I mean, that just inability to to really, really uh, uh, – to like yourself. Exactly. I, I, I really I really feel like I had a lot of self-hatred, actually, because I was killing myself. I was, je- I was um, you know, pulling the rug out from under myself. I was making life impossible. And all around me, it seemed like the people that I had grown up with were doing well and moving on with their life. But um, I also... You know, I, I don't know if I, if I was a secret drinker, but I, I was a I was a, alone when I drank. Yeah. I, I drank. It's really weird. I drank in bars. Right. But I went by myself. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, I just sat and drank. Um, and um, it, what would happen is as the night progressed, I would get to the, the bars would get um, seedier and seedier and um, I would black out. Yeah. And um, the next day I would go to work. And I would look at all the normal people who had probably just had a normal evening the night before. And um, I would just have this sense of fear that they might find out that someone might have seen me in one of the seedier places late at night. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> God knows what I might have done or said. Yeah. Yeah, that's self-loathing. And I think, you know, personally, that was a tough one. It took a while in my recovery, I think, for that to kind of diminish but slowly and surely, it certainly did. And I began to build some self-esteem yeah. over time. Yeah, yeah. I feel so much better about myself. I'm, and, you know, it, it, it's I can still hate myself for some of the things that went on when I was drinking. But, you know, I just got to let it go. Then the weariness of the soul. Yeah. The feeling of helplessness and the inability of seeing or having any hope. Down, down went the spirit, and all was doom and gloom when I thought of my prospects and where I was going. It was a case of a very weary and tired soul with no hope. That sounds like hitting bottom. Yes, and also of, of not finding outlets that would help me to, to deal with, you know, the drinking and stuff like that and to give me the simple pleasures in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it was just, uh, you know, it was just 
I mean, that, that sadness, that, that, that depression. What was your bottom? What was it that finally got you to surrender? Okay, my specific bottom happened on a um, evening. I'm an amateur musician and so is my wife. Mm -hmm. I had a, at that point, my grandson was about six months old. Uh, and I was uh, in charge of him for the day. And I started drinking at noon. And I mean, I think back of that, talk about self-loathing, you know, sitting mm -hmm. in the park in New York City with a beer in my hand with my grandson there and when I'm supposed to be in charge of him. And I got yeah. very, very drunk that night, slept on the couch, and went to an AA meeting uh, the next day. Um, and that was, uh, I've been sober since then. And I didn't find out until six months later that my wife had decided that she couldn't live like that anymore. And one of the other things in living sober is says, don't get sober for somebody else, get sober for yourself. Because what happens mm -hmm. if that somebody else isn't there? So the good news right. is I got sober for myself. Yeah. My wife is a beneficiary of that, and she just loves the fact that I'm sober. So anyway, Good. that was my absolute uh, bottom. That was the, uh, um, that was my last drunk. Yeah. Um, and uh, the I had physically really, really deteriorated, I think. I'd like to think that I hadn't. I was still working a couple of days a week in uh, Grand Central in the... Uh, uh, gray bar building mm -hmm. and I would go to the gym in the morning uh, around 11 o'clock and then I would stop and get some stuff from the guys that give the uh, booze to the uh, commuters that going on to the trains and take it up to my office mm -hmm. uh, so I thought I was a hot shot because I was exercising and stuff like that yeah uh, but um, I mean the dizziness I'd had gone to doctors I'd had uh, MRIs you know just I mean it was just just awful my body and my home group now is the uh, We Agnostics of New York City. And I've got a very good friend. There are a couple of very good friends. And one of them says, man, when you came in, I knew you were going to make it. Somebody mm -hmm. else, uh, a woman says, when you came in, you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't think you were going to make it. So I think I really did hit the bottom physically and mentally. Relationship with my wife. I was obviously at a bottom. She she what didn't want to live like that anymore. Uh, if my son had known how much I'm drinking, I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted me to spend time with my grandson. I mean, how could they trust? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it yeah. was it was it was a true bottom. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a bottom in losing a job. Right. Um, uh, the luckily I was doing stuff that was fairly independent, a computer programmer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't that dependent upon relationships, although I did lose a job when I was 53 from my drinking, mm -hmm. but I lost it in a stupid way where I actually got uh, uh, forced out and retired. Oh, okay. So, so I mean, I was the benefic beneficiary of it. Yeah. But it was definitely because of my drinking. Well, I've come to the conclusion that the bottom isn't necessarily the the events that that are going on at the time, but really how we feel about things yeah. in our life and where we're at at I, that particular time. And I wish that there were a way to manufacture it for other people because you know people can go through all kinds of hell and never you know, get to that point where they realize they need help. Yeah. But for me, I think it was feeling finally totally alone and hopeless. And yeah, I had problems. I lost my job. I was going to go to jail. Right. 
all that kind of stuff. But it was being alone with my problems. It was not having anyone there who gave a shit who was going to help me. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, and then we talked about the the ailing senses um, and, you know, the what, just physically what was going with us when we were drinking. Um, I was pretty young, so I, I don't know if I really had, although they told me when I was first starting getting sober that there was something with my liver, but that kind of healed. Anyway, um, I, I was just really, really thin and underweight right. because I hardly ever ate. Right. I, I was um, I, I didn't make a lot of money and I would sometimes blow my entire paycheck just one night drinking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just you know, scramble for food here and there. It was uh, not a not a good way. Of course, I lived off of uh, popcorn in the bars, too. <laughs> yeah. My alien senses, like I said, it had to do with the the uh, uh, dizziness, but also the inability to do things in the evening, the falling asleep early. Oh yeah. Okay, just just not having the energy to 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 stay awake and to concentrate and stuff like. And so that was uh, a real problem. Um, yep. The uh, I've always exercised. I've always been a jogger. So the body from that standpoint wasn't wasn't too bad. The uh, and you know I'd always have an annual physical and stuff like that. But the the it was it had to do with just the head and and I actually yeah. uh, fell out of bed one morning and 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 uh, damaged one of my musical instruments. I knocked it over. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was that type of of uh, dizziness. Um, and I never really thought about it. Just the just ate the senses, not not really being aware, not being able to f- sleep normally, yeah. not being able to just eat on a regular right, schedule, right, Think, right. just regular normal everyday things. Right. And my my sense of myself, my surroundings, the world, everything was just um, uh, my perspective was was clouded through through my sickness. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So now we talk about the four elements in uh, recovery. Right. Um, acceptance of who I am and a true sadness and empathy for people who are still suffering. I love that. Yeah, the uh, I'm really pleased with um, uh, where I am in my life, and I'm starting to make be able to make decisions and say no, mm-hmm. uh, and to really focus on the things that are give me the most pleasure. Uh, I am a, a snowbird who spends six months in Florida and six months in Manhattan. Nice. And uh, when I was drinking, one of my, uh, um, I played in an orchestra that had a Tuesday night rehearsal. And I mean, I'd be in the middle of the rehearsal and I'd be thinking of where in the hell I was going to pick up my beer for the subway ride home. You know, I, yeah. I mean, that concentration on where the booze was. Mm. And now um, down here, uh, um, you know, I got, I sort of talked to people about playing with them and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I said, no, I don't want to, I want to sing. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking, uh, uh, feeling good about myself, mm-hmm. um, and being so, so proactive in relationships, uh, with the family and stuff like that. And with grandkids and, and doing nice things and just, you know, just really, really, uh, happy with the things that I can get done. My wife gave me a good talking to a couple of weeks ago about your, your occasionally uh, emoting too much about what you didn't get done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I'm trying to do too many things. All right. So, so I'm really, really, I'm comfortable with who I am and uh, I'm not, not wishing that I was, that I could be something else at this point. Yeah. 
Yes, I'm the very same way. Um, I am totally comfortable with who I am, where I am at in my life. Just, I would say I'm content. Right. Um, just to have a very peaceful life. And this empathy for, for other people, this is really, um, I guess I, you know, this is something that's always been a part of me, but I've really been noticing it a lot more the last couple of years. And I think a lot of it had to do with actually um, helping start a, a new group. Right. Because I'd get so excited when somebody new would show up because we start off with just two people. Right. So every time someone would join us, you get so excited. And I, I started really thinking about those people a lot and caring about those people a lot. And just, you know, it, it seemed it seemed to be more, I don't know, in some ways it was a deeper concern or thought for them than when I was going to my old home group. And that was a neat thing because I kind of felt like that was the promises coming true for me because I was thinking less of myself and more of others. Yes. Yeah. And which I think is 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 really important for our recovery. Right. But every time I look at somebody that's still drinking too much, I just I just really, really, you know, I just wish that that they could could see their way clear, you know, to, to break out of it. You know, um, that that's that's true with me, too. We've and I don't know if, about you, but I've had it in my family, ma- mainly my um, wife's family, um, her sister and um, her sister's husband um, had uh, really bad drinking problems, and I, one of them ended up dying. Um, and it was just so frustrating. I I came in there to the family, and they all knew I was in AA and sober. And I was just telling them, hey, you know how it all works, and how they're going to get better. But you know, it doesn't always work for everybody. Yeah. Well, the uh, I've got an older brother that drank all of his life, never had a real job in his life, would work enough to just uh, get money to drink and stuff like that. The last ten ten years. A couple of my uh, siblings and I supported him, and he died uh, early, uh, in his early 70s. My father was permanently institutionalized, uh, probably in his late 50s. Uh, eventually, uh, we had put him in a, a place out in the boonies of Michigan. We thought he'd be safe there. He ran away from there, died of exposure. I mean, it's just awful, wow. you know, what, what the alcohol did. We're fortunate. Yeah, yeah. And you say proud of myself for being sober right i really am proud of myself for being sober sober and uh uh, it's just it's a good feeling that i was able to do it and that i'm continuing to do it Mm -hmm. uh and and it's the the pride of of okay being able to say no and i worried quite a bit since i was a secret drinker that i would just slip into a bodega and grab a beer Mm -hmm. uh in New York, but uh, that that is starting to uh, to to go down and down. That that fear is gradually uh, um, retreating. And I say in there about the pride of putting none when the doctor asks you how much do you drink. And yeah. so nice. I mean, when somebody says, "Oh, you know, no, no, I don't drink," and I'm I'm proud about saying that I don't drink. You know, yeah. I feel good about saying it. No, I don't drink. You know, my body can't take it. I'll say or something like that. Uh, and uh, I don't have to go into the particulars that I'm an alcoholic or something. I just don't drink. Period. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to be proud of it too. You know, um, sometimes pride has a bad word in AA, and I guess there could be bad forms of pride. Right. But it, it's good just to out of a self out of a sense of self-esteem to say, you know what? I did something good for myself and right. I am proud of it. Right. Yeah. Cause it's not easy. Oh no, 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 no. And you do feel, see people that, that, that are still 
kicking themselves or down on themselves or stuff like that. And, and you know, you, you wish that they would have a little bit more pride in uh, being sober, especially Absolutely. the people that that will uh, all lapse. Yeah. You know, they 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 really they get into the, that, that and the, the the pride is the opposite of the self-loathing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the other side of the coin. You know, that self-loathing. No, I don't loathe myself. I'm proud of myself. You know, I'm yeah. Proud. I love myself. Yeah. I'm happy for myself. Exactly. I'm glad that I'm sober and alive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't need a drink. <laughs> yep. A lightness of spirit and an ability to find joy in many things. Yes. That has to do with just the uh, uh, the happiness and really, really, what's the old one about don't get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, but mm-hmm. be angry. And you still hear it all the time when people talk in the meetings about their anger, yeah. anger driving, their anger that somebody yeah. uh, was uh, loud in their telephone, their anger. And I used to be in such an angry mode mm-hmm. when I would get so angry and tell somebody, ah, you know, what the hell is that doing this or that doing that or or. or and it would ruin things for me because that anger would then get into my adrenaline. Yeah. At a concert and I'd tell somebody to stop talking. But then I would be so upset that the concert would lose the pleasure for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not right there. You're not even at the concert. Your mind is somewhere else and whatever you're angry about. Yes, exactly. So but now, but with the lightness of spirit, uh, we were at a concert last week and my wife says, did you hear that telephone go off? I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear it. <laughs> Okay, I was, uh, you know, I was into the concert. I, I had, uh, you know, the the uh, happiness of uh, of uh, just just being uh, with it, and I think it also has to do with the the exercise uh, now has a lighter mm-hmm. spirit to it. It's more of a just fun with your body. You don't. I see. I used to keep track. I used to have a, a thing. I kept track of what I did here and, and this and that and this and that and this and that. No, I don't. Yeah. Because it, that's not the point. The point is to just enjoy the exercise. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, I can get obsessive about almost anything. And there right. was a time when I was actually running. Um, I used to I used to love to run. Right. And I got so damn obsessive about it where I had to run every single day. I had to do five miles. I had to do 10 miles. I had to do races and all this kind of stuff. And finally, I kind of burned out on it. But then I got to this, I, I started riding a bicycle. Right. And I didn't even think about getting the exercise. I was just having fun riding my yeah, bicycle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, the one that uh, was very, very unusual, We, uh, my wife and I did a lot of traveling in the Far East. And uh, that's a, a lots of places there have hash hound harriers. Uh-huh. It uh, was actually uh, founded, I think, in Singapore. And their motto is... Uh, uh, we're a drinking club with a running problem. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and they chug lug beers. They chug. Oh, yeah. They chug lug beers. Oh, God. Uh, well, I never joined one of the biking clubs here, but I hear that they like to drink too. Yeah, right. So, right yeah. But it is. It's, yeah. it, it's a lightness of spirit. I mean, I just, feel, yeah. I just feel good talking to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just, oh, boy. You know, it's a sunny day out. You know, I'm feeling good. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what the hell, you know. Uh, I love that too. I I think I when I I see the lightness of spirit, I think about that in my home life more than anything. Because and I and I have to give credit to my wife because I swear to God, since we've been married, I don't think there's been a day that has gone by where we haven't laughed. Yes, 
you know, it's just, you know, and we just have so much fun together with each other. And we're both, we're both introverts. I, I mean, introverts, I guess, but when we're, when we're with each other, we're, we're not at all. We're, we're totally um, extroverted with each other. Right. So it's, it's great. And, and also I do enjoy my relationships with everybody, my friends and AA and having conversations like this. And, oh, it's just, it's incredible what has happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I have, um, and the opposite of that lightness of spirit is, uh, I have uh, uh, four sisters, and I mean, there are two of them that it's painful to talk to, uh, because they're such downers. Yeah. You know, and then I got one that's that's happy as can be, you know what I mean? I love talking to her. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think my happiness of spirit and light, the lightness of spirit, I think, encourages people to talk to me, or I would like to think that. Yep. But I do, I feel like. A body that wakes up in the morning and says, thank you for the sense of well-being. Yes. Uh, my meditation, uh, not down here in Florida, but up in New York, I have a didgeridoo and I, I blow a raspberry. I say, oh. Dionysus, <laughs> okay. Bacchus, <laughs> and I just, but often I will wake up and I will, I will stretch my legs and uh-huh. just say, oh, thank God, my body feels so good, you know, and and I think you alluded to it. The the good sleep, yeah. yes, yeah, the the sleeping well and stuff like that. So I can really, really uh, uh, just lay there and say, oh, it feels good. Instead of waking up, you know, feeling like crap, yeah. you know, with your head or this or that or soreness or wondering this and that, and that. So that that I really do often wake up and say, oh, body feels good. <laughs> You're making me realize I need to get back to the gym. (laughs) I spend too much time on my computer uh, drinking coffee. (laughs) Whatever. Well, I don't think it's so much the gym. It's just the feeling of not drinking and waking up and not having the effect of drinking and sleeping well. Do you know there are some times still, and it's been a long, it's been 27 years since I had a drink. You know, there are still some times when I will drive to work and I will think to myself, wow, I'm I'm sober. I'm going to work. I'm getting there on time. And I'll have a flashback to stumbling into the bank I used to work for, still drunk from the night before, yeah. hoping that nobody saw me. And now I can just bounce into the office and say, good morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. nice. So you go to the We Agnostics group in New York? Yes, and I do do, um, I, I travel a lot. So I've been to mm-hmm. some interesting meetings uh, in other parts uh, of the world. My favorite one, which I give a big pitch for, is Mexico City. There's an English-speaking meeting called uh, uh, Nomads with a double A for the nomad. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So if anybody's ever in, in Mexico City, look up the nomads. Okay. okay. Um, and I've even gone into uh, uh, meetings in other languages because, I, you know, look, everybody's a drunk. You know what the hell they're saying. Uh-huh. Um, but the, I, uh, I, I was still working when I got sober, so I went to some midtown Manhattan meetings, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, um, they, they were okay. But yeah. uh, I really feel very, very comfortable in the agnostic meetings. Yeah. Um, and so, but I uh, am very active in, we have a uh, speaking program that we uh, participate in, the, the agnostics uh-huh. participates in. So we accept speakers and we send out speakers. Okay, so you go out to other groups and yeah, speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, does Vic go to your group, yeah, Vic yeah, L? Yeah. Uh-huh. Say hello yeah. to him next time well, you see I'm him. Well, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. 
his income okay. to our group. Um, and he's also started some other groups, which when uh -huh. I when I can, I also get to, to, to go to those groups also. I like going to different groups when I'm traveling, too. Um, I haven't done a lot of it. I mean, I've been and, and I haven't really traveled out of the United States since I've been sober. Right. But I, I did go to a group. I was in New York uh, City uh, back in October. I didn't go to an agnostic group, but I did go to um, the, the a meeting at the Al-Anon house. Or Al yeah, Al-Anon right. house. Right. No, I don't uh, know where that one is. Anyway, it was such a nice group. Um, it was uh, – the, the meeting was just one where they would um, – they had a speaker who talked for maybe 10 or 15 right. minutes. And then everybody went around the room and kind of shared in relation to whatever the speaker said. It was a nice meeting. And uh, then afterwards, a woman who was at the meeting kind of showed me where a coffee shop was where I went and got my laptop and started working on oh, our website. Okay. Very good. Yeah. 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 The, Very friendly up there in New York. Uh, the uh, Florida meetings, there's an agnostic meeting, but it's too far away. And it's not so much it's too far. It's two bridges that come from the beach in Fort Myers. And on uh -huh. a sunny day with the tra beach traffic, forget it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. I once, I I'm down in Naples. And they're fairly mm -hmm. religious, but there's one that on Saturdays, they read Living Sober, which is very That's yeah, good. Yeah, they read a chapter from Living Sober. Yeah. I know that they're going to end with the Lord's Prayer. And I said, bye the door do you yeah. really and so you set it out no i just i walk up oh you leave, leave. there you yeah, go you know that's a weird thing i i um i don't really go to that many um regular meetings anymore I, but i do i do go uh, um to area assemblies and district committee meetings and they always close every damn meeting with the moment with the um lord's yeah. prayer i've been standing there holding hands with them just not saying right. anything just out of trying to be um i don't know unified with them but sometimes when they really tick me off i i leave <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to pray, pray and, hold their hands you know, so nobody ever says anything to me you know i just uh, leave you know that, yeah that's the way to do it that way you're not you know it's just just uh, hell yes yeah. i i I wish some of the agnostic meetings wouldn't talk so much about God. I wish they'd talk more about the drunkenness. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, so, sometimes it gets a little bit too much into that. And and as far as I'm concerned, forget it. Don't don't talk about it. Just talk about your drinking and the drunk. Does that even happen at uh, the We Agnostics oh, group? Because yeah. you guys have so established. Oh, really? yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's too damn many yeah. people that talk about their struggle with religion and uh, how they hate religion. No, no, no. Come on, guys. Yeah. Don't. You don't have to talk about that. It, it, uh, talk about your drinking. Talk about the yeah. things that that happened when you were drinking and stuff like that. Yeah, it can it can be an issue. I think all of our groups struggle with that. Our, ours did too here in KC, um, and sometimes still does. It kind of depends. You know, some if somebody new comes in who's been having a hard time in AA, right. and you know, then they they do talk about it, and it takes them a while to kind of get over it. But yeah. I agree with you because you can just talk. I mean, the the thing is, just just talk about you know your recovery and what's going on today, and you know it doesn't matter what you believe or don't yeah, believe. I, just that's an outside yeah. issue. And yeah, and I, and I don't make a big thing. When I'm a guest speaker, uh, they'll say, uh, "Would you like to take us out?" And I said, "No, I'd prefer somebody else to." Yeah, oh, really. Yeah. You know, and then they, you know, somebody else will say something. You know, so I, I just ignore it and stuff like that. I'm going to speak at a group on, I think it's Tuesday, right. a, just a traditional right. group. And I'm going to be very um, 
I've spoken twice at groups since I've come out as an atheist. And and one group, it was really terrible. I almost gave like a political manifesto right, right, right. <laughs> speaking to them. But this this next one I go to, I'm just going to tell my story. I'm not going to make a big deal about anything about being an atheist or anything like that. I might just be honest about, you know, when I started, the, we helped start the group and everything like that. But there's no reason to make myself stand out separate from and different from them when really we have probably more in the 99% in common than there exactly. is anything we're different. All, we're all alcoholics. Yeah. And for me, it's, uh, you know, my higher power is the group. That's as, It's as simple as that. My higher power are the groups and the people in it. You know, people like you, you know, I love reading your yep. daily thing, you know, and it's just, that's the thing that does it for me. Yeah. And we all have the same experience. We have the same experience drinking. We have the same experience in recovery. Right. We just talk about it differently. We use different language, different words to describe whatever we're feeling in our yeah. recovery. That's all. That's all there is yeah, to yeah. it. But, uh, so. and, and I love it when somebody starts talking about something and, and I'll say to myself, oh yeah, I tried that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same way, same damn thing. You know, it's a, oh yeah. Uh, I was only going to have two drinks or this. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm learning more and more, too, that the real power is our stories. Yes. Um, and I get that a lot just from these podcasts, talking to people, because every t every single time I come away feeling like, wow, that was great. I feel like I've just been to a meeting. Um, but that's always it. I get more out of people's stories. That's what did it for me at my very first meeting. That's what still helps me today. Right. The experience. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do have a couple of other things that I like to talk about, and I'm, okay. so you'll be expecting probably within a couple of weeks or so, I'll be sending you some other articles. Okay. okay. So, um, because there are things that I focus on, and and so hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll, uh, uh, I love doing it, because just mm -hmm. in the act of writing it, you know, it's as good as going to a meeting, you know, getting your thoughts together and thinking about it and stuff like that. So that's how it is for me when I write and I haven't been writing as much as I would like to. But when I do write, it flows because it's more of an emotional process for me to get out whatever I need to get out of my system to put it on paper to kind of understand what's going yeah. on. Yeah. So, yeah, please do. I'll be and, happy to. Yeah. Um, this is beautiful what you wrote here. And I and again, I thank you very much for um, sharing it with us and talking about it. And uh, I hope you enjoy your day down there in Florida, sunny Florida. And look, you can use that material in any manner that you wish. Thank you. What we'll do, we're going to post this as a podcast. And this is going to be um, right out there as as the post for the podcast, uh, the description for the podcast. And it's just perfect. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. And thank you for all the good work you do also. Oh, it's a yeah. pleasure. It's it's I'm John, grateful it's for it. John, it's been a pleasure meeting you. And it's I say nice hello to all the other drunks. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <Okay>. drunks. <laughs> yeah, we are. All right, Jerry. Well, thank you very okay, much. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. We'll be back soon with another program. So until then, be well. <laughs>